BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of McDonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Welcome aboard another edition of the National Football Show with your boy Dan Cilio. Okay, it's NFL Schedule Day. Is that a new thing now? NFL Schedule Day. We have NFL Draft Week. We have NFL Opening Day Weekend, like Thursday into the weekend. Look at what the NFL is doing for you, the fans. They're putting things now on the calendar that's called must-see television. That is something that, get this, it's on your sports calendar now. It's, It's something that's a benchmark that they're doing for the fans now. The draft, the schedule dropping. Hey, years ago, the schedule dropping was kind of cool because you as a player, you wanted to know some of the stadiums and who you were going to line up against. We're going to get into that here in a minute, but... Let me tell you what the NFL does better than any other league. And it's really remarkable. Think about this for a second. The NBA, look at how they handle their players and the players' accessibility when it comes to promoting their league. Do you guys think the NBA does a great job at promoting their league? They can't. You know why? They don't play all the time. Load management. They're not on the court all the time. They're resting. Look at LeBron. He's basically taken off almost the last two months. Injury? Really? Okay. Well, guess what? That's not promoting your league. If you go back and look at Michael Jordan's time playing in the NBA, look at it. 82 games, 82 games, 82 games, 82 games, 80 games, 81 games. You know how Jordan promoted the game? He played and showed up. Whether it was playing against Golden State back in the in the day or playing against the crappiest teams that were in the NBA, Jordan was on the court. The modern-day NBA guy is not promoting the game. You don't see NFL guys taking a powder. Every weekend, it's 1-16th of the season. You've got to be on the field. And you never see NFL guys come off the field, even in blowouts. Either way. How about Major League Baseball? 
If you put Mike Trout in a lineup and put it in the mall, could you pick out who Mike Trout was, the legendary player for the Angels? Could you could you figure out who he is? I guarantee you if I put Matt Stafford, he's not even considered one of the more popular dudes in the NFL. If I put him in a mall, almost everybody would know who Matthew Stafford was, especially after this offseason, him going from the Lions to the Rams. The NFL does things, and most importantly, my friends, the NFL does things for TV, which means you. They set everything up. You think this schedule, and we're going to look at the opening week here of the NFL schedule, and I'm going to show you, okay, we're going to do something here that Big Sills does all the time. I'm going to give you the cannoli factor. If the week one games get a four cannoli, whew, that's a game you got to see. That's a four cannoli game. Some games may be one cannoli. I doubt it in week one, though. The NFL is trying to kick off the football season on a good note. They do every single thing for television. NBA does it. The NBA has lost that. It used to do everything for TV. Baseball doesn't do anything. The leagues like that don't get it. The NFL has these benchmark moments now as you prepare for the upcoming NFL season. That's what makes the league the best because it's made for television. The NFL knows that. I've told you this the last couple weeks here. 97% of the NFL's operating budget, the wealth of these owners comes from television. Albeit, hey, get this. It's really great. Fans showing up. I can't wait this year. It's going to be spectacular to see fans back in the stands. Okay, at the link, at Jerry's World, at FedEx Field, all those places. It's going to be great. I'm not saying it's not. But that's not where the owner's wealth comes from. That's not where the league's wealth comes from. It comes from these billion-dollar deals every year that the National Football League strokes down and puts down. So what does the league do to reward the networks? They give them the best matchups. Why wouldn't you do that? Do, do you know? I'm gonna I'm gonna give you guys a little insight here. I was told this by Stephen Jones, and by the way, I tweeted out at Dan Salio show, the vice president, president, the vice president of operations for the Cowboys will be on next week. He'll tell you flat out, the National Football League sets everything up for television. And do you know what? When they're negotiating a contract, guys like Bob Kraft and Jerry Jones sit down with people like Bob Iger at Disney and some of these other guys. And you know what they do? They put a number down on a napkin and say, "You'll pay this." The NBA and Major League Baseball have to negotiate all that stuff. The NFL doesn't negotiate contracts for TV. You'll pay this or we'll take it over here. Why do you think the network, um, the NFL network, was created? So that they could keep all these other networks at bay. So it's essential for the NFL to have a really good schedule for television. This week one is great. We're going to get to it, like I said, in a sec here. But I want you to understand the league itself does this without hesitation when it comes to putting the best games possible, just like any television show. It's the best TV show there is when it comes to sports is the NFL. It's the best reality show. The combines are tele telecast. I mean, the draft, right? Pro days we see on the NFL network. It's all a buildup 
it's actually marvelously done. I mean, if you're looking at a director or a producer and how you produce the year, look at how the 2021 season has gone for the NFL. You have the Deshaun Watson case. Just saying, it's a case. Aaron Rodgers, the quarterback movement, the draft, the schedule. What's going to happen coming up with some of these college kids? I mean, it's really well done, and it's all made for television. You know, the one thing that we love that we're going to be doing here on the Jacob Channel, the Jacob Media Channel, along with the National Football Show, is that we're going to be bringing you people that you may not have seen in a while. You may not know what's been going on. It's like, where are they now a little bit? And these are polarizing people. We're going to have in this hour the only man ever to play in the NBA and win the Heisman Trophy and win a national championship in football. The legendary athlete himself, Charlie Ward, will join us. Why did he pass up a first-round opportunity to go play in the NBA? Play 12 years. was a first-round draft choice. Get this. A first-round draft choice in basketball, and I didn't even know he played that at Florida State. We're going to talk to him. What's his thoughts on Tebow? He's a dual-sport athlete. We'll get his thoughts because I've always wanted to know from Charlie, do you have any regrets? Dennis Green wanted him to play. And I think you'll be shocked at how many teams contacted him during his basketball career to ask him to come and play on their football team. Look at the modern-day offense. He was doing that at FSU. I think in his years at Florida State, I think Charlie Ward only lost one game in two years starting. And one of those years, he won the Heisman and the national title. Very, very hard to do. Very few people end up doing that, winning the national title and winning the Heisman in the same year. Devontae did that this year, obviously. And that's pretty good stuff there. So we'll talk to him. Also, in the second hour, one of the legendary Buffalo Bill guys who works on the broadcast team, he is a seven-time Pro Bowler. He is a man that went to five Super Bowls, albeit he lost all five. He's been on the ballot for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And why he's not in the Hall of Fame, it really is remarkable on how people are out of sight, out of mind. He played at the legendary, legendary school, Alabama. And he was there with Ray Perkins and... He was recruited by the legendary Bear Bryant, and he's a dear friend of mine, and I can't wait to talk to the one and only Biscuit, Cornelius Bennett. That'll be in our number two. You talk about a guy who played with Derek Thomas. There could have been a little bit of, I don't want to say animosity, but I would say this to you. There could have been a little bit of, I don't know, like gamesmanship between the two because there was a real rivalry between those two. And we'll talk a little bit about that. All right, let's get into week one of the National Football League schedule. And, I, and I've told you this before, right? Lee's doing this all for TV, man. They're doing this all for television. Let's start out with the big game. Cowboys and Bucks. How you doing? Cowboys and Buccaneers. I mean... Bucks are going to be favored by around six points in this football game. I think the over-under is around 52, according to my Vegas boys. That's going into this week here. That may change. God knows what could happen. You never know. Going into training camp, something could happen. But on this day, May 12th here, okay, the Buccaneers will be favored by six going into this game. How about the storylines around this game? Is Dak ready to play? Is Dak ready to elevate? 
the Buccaneers, are they ready to repeat? Are they going to be better this year? Are there going to be any kind of things that they're going to have to work on early in the season? Because remember something a year ago, the Buccaneers were not very good in the first two quarter polls of the season. All of a sudden, they got to that Chicago game. I believe they were like 7-5 and five at the time after that loss. And I've said this before. There were so many pre-snap penalties. They had turnovers. They had all types of penalties. The next week, they had a bye. They came out, and they started kicking the hell out of people all the way through to Tampa where they ended up winning a Super Bowl. Remarkable run. This has got great storylines. Mike McCarthy, second year. Is he really the dude? I mean, is he really the guy that is going to take Dak Prescott to another level? Is he going to be that guy? I mean, the Cowboys have a lot of questions going into this. How about this? Have they fixed that sieve of a defense that they personally, again, had to address in the offseason? They did address some of that in the offseason. But, guys, you got to say, man, you're putting rookie guys in there. We'll see how that plays out. The number on that, like I said, is 52. Steelers and Bills, old school, new school. Josh Allen, Bills are favored by six in this ball game. About 51 and a half points Vegas put on this one here. Why I put those numbers out now? Because that's part of the jargon that all fans want to know. Gambling's part of the process now. Why do you think they made the Red Zone channel, folks? You think they made the Red Zone channel for craps and giggles? They made the Red Zone channel for gambling. What do you think fantasy football is? It's code for gambling. And in the Steeler game, you got Najee Harris now part of the offense there for the Steelers. He is one of the dudes that I can't wait to see his impact on that offense. you got a quarterback in Ben Roethlisberger now, and you got a runner that when he's in the Red Zone, that Steeler team, I think – they get out to that 11-0 start a year ago, and then they kind of limp to the finish line. It's because teams figured them out. Once they got in the red zone, once they were third and short, they couldn't get that third and one, man. They did not have the horseback that Pittsburgh is known for. It wasn't a whole line. It was the fact that they really didn't have the workhorse in the backfield. They didn't have the Le'Veon Bell. They didn't have the Jerome Bettis. I mean, as good as Connor was at times – Man, he was just a putty dude. And I mean by that is he was just a filler. He was never going to be the kind of player that Le'Veon Bell was. By the way, just for a quick note here on that, how's Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown's career been since they left Pittsburgh? Sometimes the grass folks ain't greener on the other side. Buffalo Bills, Sean McDermott's done a phenomenal job. They've added components to that team. And how about the job that Stephon Diggs did coming over from Minnesota and really giving you know Josh Allen – an ability to be able to throw the ball down the field and knock the top off those defenses. That's a good-looking football team. And if you're going to look at rosters right now, make no mistake about it. Those rosters right now, and you put them all in a collection in the AFC, Bills have to be in that conversation when we're talking about one of the better teams. How about this one? Tell me this one here is not made for television. Holy cow. You got Zach Wilson going to Carolina to take on Sam Darnold. Panthers favored by four at home. 43 will be the number. They're not looking for a lot of points scored in this ball game. I mean, I mean, dude, this game is a dog game. 
But now we have the New York media. What's Sam Darnold going to do as the quarterback for the Panthers? This dude, Zach Wilson, you got a brand-new head football coach with the Jets. Are the Jets going to kind of like crawl their way out of being like the dog that they are? And you got the Panthers, Matt Rule, the head coach. He's given that seven-year, six-year contract by the owner, and he's got to turn this thing around. $63 million, bro. you got to turn this bad puppy around here if you're going to be a coach in the National Football League. You've got to get it right. But that is a hell of a matchup because it's an intriguing matchup. Here's another one for you. Now, this is an outlier, and I'm going to give you some information on Deshaun Watson here as we look at this next game. This is all week one, too, folks, by the way. Jacksonville goes to Houston to take on the Texans. And the Jags, believe it or not, are going to be favored in this game by a point and a half. And the points are 45 and a half going in. Now, again, this is all on May 12th. This all could change with a player being added. Jacksonville's trying to look at Zach Ertz, by the way, after June 1. So that could be a component added to the mix that would maybe make that number fluctuate a little bit more. But, man, I mean, here's what you have in this ball game. you got Trevor Lawrence. Do we get a cameo from Tebow in this game too? All right? I mean, you got Urban Meyer making his debut. Is that not watch television? Is that not must-see TV? Again, the NFL. All these games have a subplot, don't they? There's a sidebar story here. The Houston Texans, who's quarterbacking for them? David Culley now, he gets an opportunity to be a head coach after all the years being an assistant coach. He goes into this not knowing when he goes into his OTAs or maybe even training camp, is Deshaun Watson going to be the starting quarterback? I heard this from Rich Eisen. Okay, we all know plugged in NFL Network, right? Rich Eisen is saying because of the lack of noise, and we brought this up yesterday, you know, between Busby and Rusty Harden, the two attorneys, Harden representing Deshaun Watson. Remember how these guys were in front of a megaphone, not just a microphone, but a megaphone, every day bashing everything that was going on on both sides. Either the judge told him to shut the hell up, either a district attorney told him to shut the hell up, or what's happened, which is the most important thing, money made him shut up. Rusty Harden, it seems, according to Rich, has thrown a number sign out, and you know what? All of a sudden, that rhetoric has kind of simmered down to a complete zero noise. There's nothing. These guys were barking, right? These guys were barking. Now, these guys have kind of calmed down, and there's no noise. So that's an intriguing ball game. Arizona Cardinals versus the Tennessee Titans. Got Kyler Murray versus, you know, uh, Derrick Henry. That's in Tennessee. Tennessee's favored by two, be 51 points in that game. I want to see what J.J. Watt and his impact will be. Is DeAndre Hopkins finally going to be able to be a guy that's going to look like the kind of guy he was in Houston by helping out Kyler Murray move the chains? You're in the NFC West. You have got to play along with the rest of those two teams. Rams got better. Are you going to up your number when it comes to putting points on the board? Because if you don't score over 30 points in the NFC West, the Cardinals will be 8-8 eight eight again. And then there's Tennessee, a little bit lighter on defense. I still think that they're a preeminent team when it comes to their offensive line and the ability for them to be able to run the ball. I'm telling you guys, that football team is built 
not to have their quarterback win. That team is built for Derrick Henry, the movable refrigerator, to put that team to an AFC championship. That's another good-looking roster. Like I said, they're a little bit lighter going into this 2021 year on the defensive side of the ball. Chargers in the Washington team. How about this? You're going to be going against a football team in Washington, if you're the Chargers, that you're going to be going like this. Okay, this football team has a good defense. You know, Ryan Fitzpatrick, okay, I don't know, right? Chargers, by the way, are favored by one in this game. 45 and a half is the number. Um, I like the Chargers. I like Herbert, but it's a new coach, new coordinator. They got horses on the defensive side of the football. Them dudes get after people, man. I'm telling you, the Chargers are could be the Chargers are a team to watch and could be a football team that could win 12 ball games. Could they push the the Kansas City Chiefs? I think it all really continues on the back of what Justin Herbert's success will be. And I think that guy's a spectacular player. I really do. I think he's a hell of a player. And I think he's got. I think he's got the intangibles to be one of the great ones. Eagles and Falcons, that's in Atlanta. And, again, get this, the Falcons are going to be three-and-a-half-point favorites in this game. Philly on the road, 46 points. What does that tell you about the Eagles and what Vegas thinks of the Eagles? You're an underdog to a football team that has blown for two years, the Falcons. Okay? You're an underdog to the Falcons? Okay, Kyle Pitts, I think this kid is a must-see watch. I think the Atlanta Falcons, like Vegas does, I think this is a rebound team. I think Matt Ryan gets back because, hey, let's, 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 let's be candid here with this. The New England Patriots not only beat the brakes off of them in the second half of that Super Bowl, but I think they knocked, knocked the starch out of I think they knocked the starch out of that franchise. They've never been the same since that second half of that Super Bowl. I mean, it's been a layover of two years. Going into the third year now, they write the ship to get a new coach. I think, really, this is – I think they got better on defense in the offseason. We'll see what the Eagles bring. I still think, and I will put my stamp down on this on the Eagles – if that Eagle team wins five ball games this year, I'll be stunned. Five games. There's too much chaos in the front office. There's too much indecision in personnel moves. You know why? There's too many mouths going on at one time. There's not a leader in the room. And your leader can't be your owner. Your leader can't be your owner, man. It's got to be your head coach. Can't be your GM. It's got to be your coach. So it, it, it's... As much as Eagle fans and people want to see that football team really have a good year and they want to give Jalen Hurts, okay, an opportunity, too much chaos, in my opinion, in that front office. How about Seattle and the Colts? So now you got Wentz going against the Seahawks, and you want to hear this? Who do you think's favored in this game, according to the Vegas guys that have that nose that do this? Crooked nose, you know? The wise guys. What do you think the wise guys are saying? Colts by two in the opener against the Seahawks? The Seahawks got better. The Seahawks got Russell Wilson. Carson Wentz is favored over Russell Wilson in game one at home in Indianapolis. How you doing? Hey, Carson, welcome home. 52 and a half is the number. They're expecting some numbers in that football game. 
It's the over-under. <laughs> hey, man. Carson Wentz is on a football team. Get this. He's on a football team that's favored over the Seahawks, and the Eagles are underdogs on the road versus the Falcons by three and a half. <laughs> okay. Minnesota and Cincinnati, Joe Burrow versus Minnesota. I call that team Minnesota the headless horseman. They need a quarterback in that building. They do. They need a quarterback, in my opinion, to be able to um, really, with all that talent they have in the backfield, Devin Bush, in my opinion, is one of the top three backs in the NFL. And if you don't have that solidified at that position, we know this for a fact. If the quarterback position is not solidified, okay, then you're not going to win a lot of ball games. Kirk Cousins, all right. Is he? I still think they're trying to get out from under that $87 million contract they signed a couple years ago. Kirk Cousins has been okay. Has he been better than Matthew Stafford winning wise? Eh, probably. But that's I, I I just don't think they're good enough at that position. They're just not good enough, man. 49ers in Detroit. And get this, the Niners are favored by seven and a half because they're thinking it's going to be the starter over Detroit. Jared Goff makes his first start at home against the Lions, and that's a 45 and a half number here, okay? Um, it's going to be one of the more intriguing football teams I think the 49ers are going to be because you've got Trey Lance that you just drafted. You moved up. You made all those moves with the Miami Dolphins, and you move up to get into that three-hole and you are now believing that you're starting Jimmy Garoppolo. And I think you got to start him. You start Jimmy Garoppolo, Jimmy Garoppolo plays all 17 games. Oh, by the way, that's what schedule is too this year. It's 17 games. He starts, and that guy can give you 15 starts. I'm telling you, man, I think that 49er team could be in the NFC Championship game against the Buccaneers. That's a good-looking roster. Kyle Shanahan is a heck of a coach. I think this guy is great. All right. We're going to stop there. We'll continue and we'll pick up from that 49ers game. And we'll talk more after we talk to this next guest. I got to tell you guys, I've been looking forward to this. He's a former Heisman Trophy winner. And we'll get his thoughts on Tim Tebow. He's a dual sport guy, played baseball with the Mets organization. Of course, he had all those stops in the NFL. Did Charlie ever have any regrets? When it came to going into basketball, instead of going into the NFL, he won a Heisman. He won a national championship at FSU. He delivered the national title for Bobby Bowden, his very first. We'll talk to the legendary Heisman winner, Charlie Ward, next right here on the National Football Show. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap. Go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. 
Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. The light from a star can take millions of years to reach Earth. So when you look at a star, you're looking back in time. But I see the future. I see exploration and courage. I see my country finding new horizons out there. And I see giant leaps making a comeback. I see myself. The future is where I'll make history. Jody Mack. The legendary sports talker joins forces with NFL insider John McMullen. Start your morning with Johnny Mack and Jody Mack across the Jacob Media Network. Welcome back to the National Football Show with your boy Dan Stilio. It is, without a doubt, NFL schedule day. We'll take a short break from that, but I wanted to bring this man up. Tim Tebow making a run at going back to the National Football League. He's a dual sport athlete, and to me, one of the greatest dual sport athletes of all time is, is, is Charlie Ward. He wins a national championship at Florida State. He wins the Heisman Trophy. And then he goes on to play a 12-year career, and here he is with us here now on the National Football Show. Charlie, thank you so much for doing this with us, man. I appreciate it, Dan, and uh, definitely appreciate you having me, uh, give, giving me this opportunity to be in the NFL. <laughs> <laughs> let me, hey, let me, let me ask you your thoughts here a little bit, Charlie, on what you're seeing with Tebow. And, you know, you, there, there, there's, there's, there's naysayers, there's people who don't care. I'm in the I'm in the park I'm in the park like this, Charlie. If if Jimmy Johnson called me, my college coach, and I was 32, and he told me this, hey Dan, I need I need you to come play D tackle for me for three games. I'd have put my hand up in 10 seconds and dropped everything I had onto my plate, and I would have went and did it. It's every guy's dream to get that call one day right. to get an opportunity. What says you on this? How, how are you on this? Him getting that opportunity from Urban? Uh, I'm happy for. For Tim, um, I, everyone needs an opportunity to at least have another chance. And I just I hear all the naysayers and people just, you know, killing him. I mean, the man, everywhere he's going, he, he's been a character guy. I mean, he's and you need that as far as uh, in a locker room, you know, just having a great guy. He's willing to do whatever the coaches ask, whatever the team needs. And everywhere he's gone. <laughs> People keep killing him for just being on the team. And I just don't understand that whether he can play or not is not really the issue. And I've said this on my podcast, you know, Believe in ACC. Um, a lot of times we get opportunities based around or centered around relationships. People are trying to make this a black or white issue 
when it's based around relationships. And Tim, Tim Tebow has a relationship with Coach Meyer, and that is essentially why and it's in Jacksonville. <laughs> That's where he's from. And so when we start talking about trying, you know, being a, a businessman, I would probably do the same thing because I know it's going to stir up around, you know, stir up the news, going to get more people in the seats because Tim Tebow's on the team and seeing if he can make the team or not. Uh, when he makes the team, there are going to be more seats, more people in the seats. I mean, and, and, and Charlie, like you said, I mean, it's Gator country. I mean, if you put if you put tickets on the table, and you and I both know this, being like the rivals of that team, if you put Gator tickets in Jacksonville versus uh, Jaguar tickets, there's not a person in that city that's going to pull a Jaguar ticket off that table. It's all Gator country. You got the greatest coach or one of the greatest coaches in Gator history now going there, and you got arguably the most famous SEC guy, let alone Gator guy, in that in that arena. It just makes great business sense too, doesn't it? I, I, I mean, I've just said it's one percent. It makes great business sense, and I mean, a guy. I think that the biggest issue is the the coverage around the team. <laughs> that's the biggest issue, and that's been the issue with Tim Tebow all along. Uh, you know, just the coverage around. I haven't heard one teammate say anything negative about him. You know, Charlie, we had uh, Dave Wanstead on with us yesterday, and he brought a point up about this, that when, when you're a college coach or you're a new coach and you're going into an organization, and, and, and Charlie, you're going to see more Ohio State and Gator guys that are going to be surrounding some of the core guys in Jacksonville because what Coach Wanstead said yesterday was, just like when Jimmy got to Dallas, he brought a bunch of us in because guys are asking us, Hey, what's what's to be expected? What's this coach want? It's all about those guys having played in Urban Meyer's environment, and they know what to expect. They can convey that to the rest of the locker room. Do you think that's a little bit of the method there, too, on why Urban wants some of those Ohio State and some of those Gator guys in? Because he knows the type of – they know the type of culture that he's trying to build there. Uh, 100%. And he's also, like most uh, organizations, are trying to fill his team with winners. You know, they're coming from winning programs. I know that's one of the things that I've heard from college coaches uh, when they come to recruit our kids at Florida High for basketball is they want guys that's coming from winning programs because, you know, if you're trying to, if you're trying to win, you want people that's coming from that type of culture. And so, you know, the teams that you just mentioned uh, have been winning. Um, and they have great culture as far as understanding what it takes to win. And I think that's something that I think all coaches will want. But if you're an Urban Meyer who's trying to uh, get that mindset into the locker room, then you're going to filtrate your team with uh, those type of uh, players. Charlie, let's get to you a little bit here. You know, I don't think you ever had regret for the decision you made. And by the way, you're the only NBA guy ever to win the Heisman and play in the NBA. And like I said, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, if I remember back, you got drafted in the first round by the Rockets. And uh, it was day. kind of a shocker to everybody that you made that decision. Was there any time in that period that you were playing, especially your lengthy time with the Knicks, that you ever went like this? Because I have talked to Dennis Green, and Dennis said, I'd love to have seen what Charlie could have did in the National Football League. Did you ever have that moment? 
uh, uh, not one time. Why? Because I was I was receiving a paycheck. I mean, when you come out of college, uh, the goal is to get a job. And the NFL uh, felt like I wasn't able. I mean, I wasn't not worthy, but I wasn't uh, able. I mean, they weren't going to allow me to uh, get a job. And the NBA uh, gave me an opportunity. And so uh, just like most people, uh, I didn't have any regrets because, one, I enjoy sports. Um, I have a book out called The Athlete, and it's basically talking about me just being an athlete. I mean, if I could have been an athlete in the first grade, I would, that, that was me. Um, so I, just, I never had any regrets. I got an opportunity to go and watch my buddy Ward Dunn uh, play against Steve Young and the San Francisco 49ers uh, my first or second year. And that gave me enough um, understanding and awareness that if I was to play in the NFL that I, I know I could because I watched Steve Young be the same type of person, player that I was, and that was enough for me. Uh, but then again, the NBA, the NFL, NHL, MLB, it's all good if, <laughs> if, you, can, if you got a job. And I was, I was happy to have a job. You know, I am friends with Lamartin and his mother. And one of the things that was the most dis disrespectful and disgraceful things that I ever heard was Bill Polian say, he'll never make it in the sport unless he plays another position. I talked to Lamar's mom, the, even, even a guy like Tom Telesco, who I have great respect for, the general manager of the Chargers, wanted him to try another position wanted him to run a 40, and Lamar refused to run a 40-yard dash at any of the quarterback uh, like schools or any of like the pro days or going to the comic. He refused because he didn't want that notion. I'm wondering, Charlie, um, was it that time too also back when you were coming out that that – I hate to use it, that line, but the stigma of the quarterback and the black quarterback was still pre present in the NFL? Or get this – they wanted you to try another position and didn't give you the shot that you wanted truly to play that position. I'm not 100% sure uh, what, what, if it was the stigma uh, as far as being a black quarterback. Uh, but I do know one thing uh, that was a stigma was very few quarterbacks, if any, at that time uh, were six foot two or three and below. Um, so there, the stigma was you had to be a certain size. You had to fit a certain style of the NFL as an NFL quarterback. And they didn't feel like that was a, like that was a big enough issue or case at that time. Um, of course, fast forward it 20 plus years, 20, how many ever years has been, um, uh, that it, I mean, that's not the issue anymore. I mean, you got guys six foot and below going as the number one pick. And then again, it goes back to the team, the type of uh, management, the player, and you only need one team to like you. I mean, you know what Bill Polian said and what all these other people are saying, you only need one team to like you. Uh, and if that team likes what you bring to the table as far as a quarterback is concerned, that's really all that matters. And so I just think you have to make decisions. Uh, and when you make a decision, like I did, I said that if I didn't get drafted in the first round, then I was going to consider my other options. And so that scared a lot of teams away. 
uh, because they knew that I wasn't a first-round pick. Um, and <laughs> I was going to consider my other options. I had options. And when I made that decision to keep my options open, um, I knew that not getting drafted in NFL was a real possibility, and I was willing to live with that. You're, you, you were Russell Wilson before Russell Wilson, and I'm just wondering how that decision would play out today with the things that you mentioned. No one cares if you're 6'5 any longer. It's more of a mobile league now because of the salary cap. And I say that, and when I say that, people go, oh, you mean that because you have to have more athletic? No, it's because salary cap, the first place you attack, Charlie, is the offensive line because that's where all your millionaires are. You lose old linemen with a salary cap era now, and so you have to have a mobile quarterback. Aaron Rodgers is mobile. I'm just wondering what that decision would be like today for you when you see the type of quarterbacks that resemble your style how you would really look at that today compared to back then, because that style wasn't prevalent. Like you said, Steve Young and maybe a handful of guys today, it looks like every team has a mobile quarterback that can get out in the perimeter like you. Uh, well, the biggest misconception about me was I was a runner. Um, and that was far from the truth. I just used my legs to get out of trouble. Right. <laughs> so I was more of a passer than anything else. So I would rather throw the ball. Uh, you know, a la, I threw it like 50 some times against Florida my senior year. Um, and so I just, I mean, I would rather pass the ball than run it. I just use my legs, my ability to be able to escape and get out of uh, trouble. And so Russell Wilson, I appreciate that compliment. Um, and I, I probably do look like him uh, in a lot of ways, you know, during my time. Because, because Charlie, he doesn't run for yardage, too. He runs to get out of trouble and to make positive yards. So that's why that comparison I made to you. Yes. And so, that, I mean, that was a great comparison. Um, and I wish I was Russell Wilson at this time. You know, he's making quite a bit uh, he's <laughs> of money. Uh, but, you know, it, I think more – that has opened the door for more guys – uh, like us, I'll just say that to be able to uh, make it in the NFL because they've set a precedent. Before me, there was really no one that has set a precedent being my size uh, playing in the NFL. Doug Flutie, uh, Warren Moon, all those guys had to go to the CFL um, or Can Canadian League to be able to prove themselves, and then they came back and then they had you know has had, had good careers or, or got opportunities. So. It is what it is. The times will change, and I'm happy for these guys being able to uh, get an opportunity. You know, you know, Charlie, I don't think you can look at your NBA career, and I don't think you can look at your college career and all the accolades and one of the most decorated college players of all time. And I don't think you can just go, well, he was this type of NBA guy, and he was this kind of college guy. I think it's got to be encompassing because – you wrote the book, The Athlete. I mean, for you, you must look at it all encompassing. I was able to accomplish this, this, and this, play at a level. And by the way, like I said, you're the only guy ever to play in the NBA that won the Heisman Trophy. Just how do you see your sports career and how do you see the accomplishments and the great accomplishments that you accomplished? Well, I would say blessed um, because, uh, you know, physically I had a lot of uh, – things I had to overcome. I started in high school with a knee injury. 
that they thought would may have been you know cancerous, um, but it turned out to be something different. And so I had to go through that challenge. Uh, once I got to college, uh, you know I was a punter uh, my freshman year. Uh, then the thing that you know I enjoyed most was just competing, um, and also just playing. Like I said, you know, if I could be, if I could have been a professional athlete in the first grade, whatever league that is, I would have been there. I mean, academics, all those types of things were second nature for me. I had to learn that if I was going to be able to do what I wanted to do, I had to make sure I had my grades right and all those types of things, which taught me a lot of discipline and. Organization and all those things as well, but I just enjoyed playing sports. Um, and, and people like, you know, would you do it today? I would do it today um, if I had, if if I could. Uh, but that is just something that, when you look at my my career, uh, definitely God's hand was all over it because, um, like I said, I started out as a punter. Um, I got an opportunity to play. Uh, basketball a whole entire year, which doesn't happen for a second, you know, second uh, sport. Um, and that helped me to uh, establish myself as a basketball player before I went back to playing basketball and football, both um, at the same time or the same year. And so that is my, that is the biggest difference for me being able to have basketball as an option because coach Bowden, which I'm grateful for, he allowed me to go out, my second year in college and played basketball once basketball started. And so that gave me a chance to make my imprint on the coaches, uh, you know, get me a spot. So when I, when I came back from football, they knew what I was capable of doing and they understood and knew what I brought to the table and they were willing to kind of wait uh, for me to come back and uh, play. So I'm just happy that I got an opportunity to do it because that's what I enjoy and I love both. And people ask me, well, why do you, why, why do you play both sports? Uh, why do you choose one? Because I just enjoy sports. And you played during the era when Dion played both and Bo Jackson played both. You stuck to your guns with one there. I always leave Heisman Trophy winners. Uh, I talked to Barry a couple of years ago about, you know, his Heisman Trophy is in a – I think he said a grocery store somewhere in Oklahoma City, one of the grocery stores that his family. Uh, when you look at your Heisman and you look at that award now, does it mean more today than it did when you first initially won it? Um, yes. I mean, I I, I knew it uh, when I won it. Um, it wasn't. I mean, it was what it was. It did change a lot um, in my life uh, as far as name recognition and those types of things and. Of course, as older you get, um, you're always going to be the Heisman Trophy winner, and that that's going to help you uh, with getting into things, being in relationships, seeing other people, going other going places, and so. And you know, even my Heisman Trophy is in in the uh, public library in my hometown, so you'll always be in the public library. People will come just to see the Heisman Trophy um, as well. And so, you know, that's something that, um, you know, I'm grateful for now. Um, and it's given me a lot of opportunities and opened a lot of doors to be able to share my story. And I'm grateful for it, for sure. 
Absolutely. Hey, throw out the podcast name again and the name of the book, Charlie. I want to make sure people can get to it. Uh, we're uh, is believe in the ACC. Um, it's in the believe is believe is B L E A V um, in ACC, and um, the name of the book is called The Athlete. Can't wait to read it, Charlie. Thank you so much for doing this and taking time with us here. You're truly one of the greatest athletes of all time, one of the most decorated college football players of all time, and more importantly, friends with Derek Brooks, friends with work done. I know what that means. Those men are um, reputations are impeccable right there with them. Thank you, Charlie. Thanks, Dan. Appreciate you having me on. You bet. Charlie Ward, former Heisman winner. And of course, the only player to ever go and play in the National Football League or the NBA, excuse me, and turn down the National Football League. We'll take a quick time out. You keep it here on the National Football Show. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. The light from a star can take millions of years to reach Earth. So when you look at a star, you're looking back in time. But I see the future. I see exploration and courage. I see my country finding new horizons out there. And I see giant leaps making a comeback. I see myself. The future is where I'll make history. Jody Mack. The legendary sports talker joins forces with NFL insider John McMullen. Start your morning with Johnny Mac and Jody Mac across the Jacob Media Network. Welcome back to the National Football Show with your boy Dan Scalia. Double Tom. Next hour, Cornelius Bennett, seven-time Pro Bowler, part of the broadcast team for the Buffalo Bills, Bills Mafia, and one of the legendary Alabama Crimson Tide players. This man went to five Super Bowls, which means he owns five conference championship rings, which means he's also been on the ballot for the Hall of Fame the last four years. When does he get his call to go to Canton? 
We'll talk to the legendary Biscuit. That'll be in hour number two. We were going over the schedule, and it was great that Charlie Ward stepped in with us. We so appreciate him doing that for us. It's without a doubt. During that era where Charlie played, Bo Jackson, Deion Sanders, um, and Herschel Walker were all like dual sport guys. And everyone thought that he would play basketball and football at the same time. But he held to his guns, and he ended up playing 12 years. Guaranteed cash, too, in the NBA. I think that had a lot to do with it. But if you took anything from that interview, I think there were two components. I think race was an issue, and I think his height was an issue. Today, it's not. The highest paid guys in the NFL today, four of the five guys are African-American quarterbacks. So money's not the issue. You have guys in the NFL today like Russell Wilson and Drew Brees. So height's not the issue. So I think he was looking at a lot of the things and a lot of the old school thinking of the quarterback position that he was fighting. If I take anything away from that, he was afraid that they hold his height against them and that there weren't a lot of mobile quarterbacks back in the day. So if I take anything from that interview, I take that. I mean, but you talk about truly, if you look at the record, I think it's two years starting at Florida State. I think he lost one game, won the national title again, like I said, and the Heisman too. So one of the most decorated players in college football history and would go on to play in the NBA. You know, we were going over week one schedule. We left off at San Francisco and Detroit. And Jimmy G and his team are going to be favored by seven and a half points over the Lions at home, Jared Goff. And I, I don't think that really is that much of a cannoli game. You know, if I had to put like cannolis on that one, that's probably like a one cannoli game. I'll be interested to see if Trey Lance gets some plays in that. I look over at the Denver Broncos versus the New York Giants. How about this? Now, this is an interesting ball game here. Broncos favored at home, Giants or excuse me, Broncos are on the road and they're going to New York. I think Daniel Jones is not the dude. 42 and a half, they're not expecting a lot of points. But I would say this to you here. The Broncos could be, how about this? What if that deal gets done between the Packers and the Broncos? Then you would have Aaron Rodgers going to New York to take on the Giants. That game would have a whole different look, wouldn't it? A whole different feeling. You want to see Aaron Rodgers in a Bronco uniform. That would be a completely different deal there. And then it's funny, the next game, and and get this, they've officially in Vegas, as of about an hour ago, taken the Packers and the Saints off the board. Okay? The Saints were going to be favored by three points. You're kidding me, right? Packers made it to the NFC Championship. It's no something. and, And I tell people this all the time. Okay, about Las Vegas. You know, you can have all the guys like on the Jacob Media Channel, Big Sills, Fox, CBS, all these great analysts. But you know who the people are that put the money up? Those sports book dudes. They set the line. They talk with money. We talk for a living and we don't have to put our wallets on the table. Those guys put casino money on the table. We think that the Saints are going to be three-and-a-half-point favorites over the Broncos or over the Packers, and here's why. I mean, dude, you put money down on something, and you're setting – you are the bar. Vegas is the greatest place when it comes to figuring out what teams are going to be favored to win the Super Bowl and what teams aren't. You can hear me, and this includes me as well. 
you can hear anybody in a conversation, but when you got people putting money on it and you got people putting billions of dollars like Vegas does every year for these sports books, they're not doing it for craps and giggles. You think Las Vegas was made by guys losing money? You think those guys lose money in Vegas? You see those castles out there? Have you ever been to the Vegas Strip? They're not building those things losing money, man. They're building those things taking your money. So that's off the board right now. How about this game? Browns, this is a Fort Cannoli game. Browns and Chiefs, five and a half points at home at Arrowhead, and it's 51 and a half. <laughs> They're expecting some, some numbers here in this football game. I still don't think if you get into a shooting match with Kansas City, they want you in a shooting match. And if you think the Browns can hang with that Kansas City team, they get Orlando Brown as the offensive tackle on the right side. Um, I don't know, man. I, I just think that is a low number. But I think if you're the Browns, you're not very happy having to go to Arrowhead. It's one thing to play the Chiefs. It's another thing to have to, like, go to Kansas City and go to the toughest place to play in the NFL, and that's Arrowhead. Arrowhead's the toughest place. It's just – it's the toughest place. How about this game? This game here could be a game that could tell us a little bit about the New England Patriots. Patriots are going to be favored by a point and a half in this game. Last year in the opener against the Dolphins, they beat the living hell out of them. Did New England, taking on the Dolphins. The Dolphins team was pretty good. We're going to find out a little bit about Tua Tagovailoa, right? Is Cam Newton going to be able to put some points on the board? He had a horrific year last year. But then again, the entire Patriot organization had a horrible year last year. Um, Belichick, are they going to be better? They're going to get a bunch of opt-ins. Are we going to see Mac Jones? Okay, I mean, end of the day here, you know, you're. we'll find out about both teams here. Chicago and the Rams. New, new quarterback situation, kind of. Rams are favored by seven. Matthew Stafford, it's at home. It's at uh, SoFi Stadium. Uh, 46 points. I don't think the Bears can hang. I think the Bears right now are going to be just waiting their time to get Justin Fields acclimated to going in and playing on that football team. And then you got Baltimore and the Raiders. This is what I would say about the Raiders, okay? I would say this to you. John Gruden is 19 and 29. Okay? He's 19 and 29. And when are you going to eventually see production? When are you going to eventually see winning? When are you eventually going to see getting better? I, I just don't see it here. I think John Gruden is by far the most overrated coach that we have in the game today. And here, don't take my word for it. Look at his record. He's like three or four games over, maybe three games over 500. If you take the Tony Dungy Super Bowl championship team away from him, he's under 500. But because he went on and he was like, hey, how are you? John Gruden and I'm this guy and you know he uh you're the best quarterback let's go to the Gruden quarterback crunch numbers you know he makes all them faces on the sideline I mean dude look stupid you, you know what it's one thing when you're making faces on the sideline and you're 13 and 3 it's another thing when you're on the sideline and you're 4 and 12 I know they were 8 and 8 last year I get it but that football team's got to improve and you got to look at Derek Carr's Derek Carr the guy you think Derek Carr's a good quarterback? He's a top 10 guy. 
He's okay. You need to put more components around him, though. If you're going to win a championship, they got to get a better running game going. They got to, most importantly, with the Raiders, the Raiders have got to play defense. They can't get anybody on the ground. That's what's wrong with that football team. For the last five years, even under Jack Del Rio, they got to get guys down on the ground. Before it was just the secondary under Del Rio. Now under Gruden, it's the entire defense. That team's got to get folks on the ground. Then you got Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson has won 80% of his football games as a Baltimore Raven. I think that Ravens team, with the additions that they've made on defense and with the fact that he's going to continue to improve, and most importantly, okay, you don't have COVID, which means that he's going to be able to work with his wide receivers more and more and more and more. And the one thing you have to love about Lamar, and I just said this with Charlie, the one thing you have to love about him is that he wants to be great. He doesn't want to be good. He's not looking to be a starter. You know, I always tell people, if you're looking to be this, you're going to be a tick below it. You know, Vince Lombardi told my relative, Andy Robostelli, who's the Hall of Famer, this line. Gentlemen, we're going to strive our entire life to be perfect, knowing full well we will never be perfect. And we're going to learn to live with greatness. There's a lesson there. You strive for that perfection. You're going to live with greatness. Hour two, we keep it right here on the National Football Show. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. The light from a star can take millions of years to reach Earth. So when you look at a star, you're looking back in time. But I see the future. I see exploration and courage. I see my country finding new horizons out there. And I see giant leaps making a comeback. I see myself. The future is where I'll make history. D-A-T-L-E-S-E-O! Jody Mack. 
the legendary sports talker, joins forces with NFL insider John McMullen. Start your morning with Johnny Mack and Jody Mack across the Jacob Media Network. Here on the National Football Show with the boy Dan Silio. Man, we just got a boatload of people that keep texting my phone saying, Can we get on this thing? Here on the Jacob Media Channel, people want to get on it. Warren Sapp will be with us on Friday. Stephen Jones, the vice president of operations for the Cowboys, will be on next Tuesday. I got a call from the Cowboys themselves. Shelby Jones, the executive assistant from the Cowboys, going. So what is this show? So I sent the link and everything to them. They're like, yeah, we're, we'll, we'll, we'll make it. Steven's like right now he uh, can't do anything this week. So we're going to get him on next week, and we'll talk a little Dallas Cowboys with him. Uh, Boomer Esiason is going to join us hopefully on Friday of this week as well. So we are just absolutely packed. Tomorrow we're going to have Bill Moss on with us, the former defensive rookie of the year with the Kansas City Chiefs. We'll talk with him. Um, that Chiefs team opens up with the Browns at Arrowhead. And Bill was the former rookie of the year defensively in the National Football League and a former Pro Bowler as well. So we'll talk to Bill Moss, legendary Pitt Panther. Uh, that'll be tomorrow. But in this hour here, we're going to talk to the one and only Cornelius Bennett, who was on those great Buffalo Bills teams, part of the broadcast team and part of Bill's Mafia. One of the greatest college football linebackers of all time, two-time consensus All-American at the University of Alabama, played with Derek Thomas. Was there a little rivalry between the two when they were there at Alabama? Can you imagine you had Cornelius Bennett and you had Derek Thomas on the same football team there in Tuscaloosa? Talk about just churning out great football players. Cornelius Bennett, a seven-time Pro Bowler, will be with us, and we'll talk a little bit why He's not in the Hall of Fame as well. I know he's very disappointed about being passed over because of those five Super Bowl losses. Can you imagine that? And you know you know what's funny? With people always bring that up about Jim Kelly and all those guys that were on those Bills teams. For a guy that played in that league, I don't look at that in any kind of way other than great success. Yeah, but Dan, they lost the five Super – or he lost the four Super Bowls in Buffalo. Then he lost the one when he went to the Atlanta Falcons. Do you know how hard it is to get to that game? There's guys that have never even made it to the postseason that are legendary players. I mean, O.J. Simpson never even went to the playoffs. Dick Butkus, Gail Sayers, those guys never went to the playoffs. Dan Marino went to one Super Bowl. You know, for all the guys, you talk about the greats of all time, maybe the greatest thrower of the football. Okay, he went to one Super Bowl, had a marginal record when it came to postseason play. <clears throat> I mean, you can even make this comment. Do you really think that Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre knocked the cover off the ball when it came to being postseason quarterbacks? These guys have one Super Bowl between them. And I say that with respect, but I also say that, well, if we're going to start comparing them to the greats, that's when you start looking and comparing are they one of the absolute greatest players in the history of the sport? No question. But then when you start comparing, there's got to be a hierarchy. And that's what postseason football is. Like when you say the greatest coaches of all time in NFL history, 
What's the one number and one name that comes to mind? It's Belichick. And why is that? He doesn't have the most wins in regular season play. He doesn't have the most wins of all time. It's Don Shula. How come you look at him? Because of those championships. Then you can make, if you take Belichick out of the conversation, who would you say is the greatest, the second greatest? No, he won four. Okay, that's fair. Or how about Hallis, who has the second most wins all time in pro football history? How do you gauge what the greatest is of all time? It's got to be postseason, and it's got to be the differential that is between you and that guy has to be the titles, has to be the postseason. That's why when you have the conversation, you see, I know some people like to bring up the conversation, is Brady the greatest quarterback of all time? What's the what's the comment? What's the argument? What's the debate? Okay, well, you know, I think Aaron Rodgers throws a better football. So what? What does that have to do with winning games? He looks better throwing the ball. So does Patrick Mahomes. You think people don't – watch this. You think Brady had the strongest arm of all time? No. You think Brady was the greatest athlete of all time? No. You think Brady even had the greatest talent around him of all time? No. Name me one guy, not named Gronk, in all those championships in New England that you consider Hall of Fame. Name me one. Let's see. Okay, can't say Randy Moss because Randy Moss didn't win a title in New England. They got upset by the Giants. Name me one guy. Deion Branch? Troy Brown? Julian Edelman? Wes Welker? Maybe. 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 Wes Welker. Maybe. Okay? Maybe. What's even more remarkable about Brady's run is that there was never one first-round draft choice in that huddle in New England when they were winning those Super Bowls. Not one. Gronk was a second-rounder. Brady was a sixth-rounder. Edelman was a quarterback in college. Welker was a special teams flop in Miami. I mean... There was never a star-studded football team around him. Brady was just – he made every guy better around him. My, my, my point is, is that when you look and you say the greatest of all time, Brady's never going to be lined up and you're going to go like this. Man, that's, that's the most gifted – like John Elway is a great example of this. John Elway, I played against him. Horse. Absolutely fast, quick, could throw the football through a wall. And I mean that literally. I mean, just everything was just – guy was signed by the Yankees. I mean, he was going to play in the same baseball lineup with Don Mattingly. He was really that close to doing it if the Colts had really had drafted him and made him their, their face of that franchise. He was not going to go play in Baltimore. He was going to go play for the Yankees. And when you line that guy up next to Brady, it's not, it's, you're not even in the same conversation. Like Trey Lance versus Tom Brady, it's not a conversation. Trey Lance is a 10-time better athlete. But see, that's where I think people get in trouble with the evaluating of the talent of the quarterback. It's, it, it's nothing to do with being an athlete. 
You could be the greatest athlete of all time. Justin Fields, I heard those guys talking when they were talking about him at the combines. Hey, you hear what he ran? He ran a 4-4. So what? Who cares he ran a 4-4? You try running 20 times as a quarterback in the NFL, you'll end up like Cam Newton. You'll end up in a mash unit. You'll end up in a wheelchair. Do you understand when I tell you that when you get hit in that sport, it's a train wreck every play? This ain't any – I mean, when you get hit in that thing, I have never been hit harder in my life than in an NFL football game and as fast. Man, you look up, it's 20 plays, and you got a broken finger or a broken wrist or a guy's got a compound fracture. They move you off the field, next play, boom, let's go. Dude, that's not a game for the lighthearted. And putting a quarterback in a position to get his ass hit 20 times, you're looking for disaster. That's why I always say this about Lamar. Once as I like that kid, you run that guy 20 times, 14 times a game, and you put him in the backfield and you're throwing the ball 30 times, and this guy gets hit like that, man, I'll tell you what. It seemed, it's like doing this when you're hitting a nail. Boom, boom, with a hammer. Eventually, the top of that nail breaks just with the constant pounding. You don't even have to hit it hard. Get up to 100. The nail starts getting weaker. You get it up to 1,000 hits. starts getting lighter. Before you know it, the nail breaks. Everything has stress on it. And what you're trying to do and what Brady has done and what Brady has done in his entire career, the least amount of hits possible which means knowing where to throw the ball. That's what makes him the exceptional quarterback that he is. Outside of that one year when he got hurt in that Kansas City game, Tom Brady has never really been in a position where he's been constantly hit. And with the NFL changing the rules the way they are, Brady says he wants to play till 50. <laughs> hey, guess what? I believe him. Do I think he can do it? I'm going to go with father time eventually winning. But if I had to say one guy could beat Father Time, it's him. All right, let's transition into this. It's, it's kind of funny to hear how people look at Tom Brady versus, say, a Tim Tebow. You know, you don't hear anybody saying this. Man, Brady's playing a long time. You never hear any trash about performance-enhancing drugs. You know, if a guy plays a long period of time, didn't we not used to have that Let's get, you know, I don't know, because, you know, we came out of that steroid era with baseball. It's funny, though. It's never really ever grabbed hold in the NFL. Like when Sean Merriman a couple of years ago got popped for PEDs and he still went to the Pro Bowl. Nobody said anything about it. Kind of like everybody just is OK with it in the NFL. And for the record, please, I am not suggesting in any way and nor would I put a criminal statement out like that, that I think that guy's on PEDs in any way. But he is the only guy that's ever played like this at that level, 40 touchdowns and 44 years of age, 43 years of age, whatever. He's the only guy. But nobody questions anything. No, it's Tom Brady. Tim Tebow, on the other hand. And, and I thought Charlie Ward hit it perfectly. Charlie Ward is right. You hear what Charlie said about Tebow's opportunity? It's got nothing to do with race. Zero to do with race. It's got everything. And by the way, I'm going to tweet that out. 
one of the legendary players in the history of college football, like Tim Tebow. I'll tell you, you want to know one thing? You think Tim Tebow was more decorated than Charlie Ward? You would have another thought coming. If anything, they're comparable in college football. He did not have a better career than Charlie Ward. Absolutely not. Charlie Ward had one of the greatest college football careers in history. Like when you put the all-time college football team together, Charlie Ward's name is in the conversation. Okay? He's in the conversation. One of the most decorated people that's ever lived. And we were proud to have him on. And he even went like this. It's not race. It's opportunity. When you have a guy like Charlie Ward saying that, who could have came out and went just like this. You know what's funny, too? When, when, you, when you go on social media, look how easy people make it into race baiting. Oh, Colin Kaepernick, he ain't getting a chance, you know, but Tim Tebow is. Charlie Ward is the only one with common sense in this here because Charlie Ward's right. These guys were boys. I've laid out the relationship that these guys had in Gainesville. This goes back to that relate. Hell, this goes back to the relationship when Tim Tebow was at Nice High School in Jacksonville. He's a competitor. You know, I heard someone go like this. Well, you know, he's a great athlete. And, you know, he's a tough competitor. And Urban, when he is, and people are going like, if that's all it took to play that's not all it takes. No one's saying that. Why are you dissecting this thing and you're segmenting this thing into being a race conversation? Why do we always have to get there? Why are we always looking for race baiting? This has nothing to do with race. Oh, black quarterback's not getting a chance to play and calling. Dude, I told you the top four guys in the NFL are African-American. It's got nothing to do. Are you kidding me? Do you truly believe, and I said this to you the other day, you think that really NFL personnel departments are doing this. We have a black list here, and we have a white list here of players, and the personnel guys go, well, we got too many black guys on our team. Let's get two more. You think they do that? Man, are you guys stupid? If you anybody who thinks that, my God almighty, you know what they do when they're putting a list of, hey, just like you do when you're picking a game of wiffle ball or you're picking a game of horse, you're going to pick the best dude you possibly can to win. You're not going to pick your boys. That's the fastest way to lose it. Well, I'm going to pick my boys over here. Uh, I'm going to get – nobody does that. Nobody does that. Now, did they do that, say – 25 years ago. Yes. That's an unfortunate thing. Okay. One of my dearest friends who's now with the Redskins and works in the uh, front office with the Redskins, Doug Williams. I mean, everyone knows the story. Hugh Colverhouse came to him, the former owner of the Buccaneers, after his wife had died, gave him less money as a contract extension. That's why he went to the USFL. You know, he was not happy with a black face being the face of the Buccaneers. Doug and I have talked about that. He wins that Super Bowl MVP. Had to be one of the greatest moments in everyone's life. I cried, man, when he won that. 
It's just such a great moment. It's a great moment for humanity in that moment when he won that MVP in San Diego versus the Broncos. That's justice. That's how you get your justice back. But this has nothing to do with race. This has everything to do with relationships. And that's why Tebow's getting that opportunity. I saw Sean Payton today make a comment. And actually, it plays into Tim Tebow. And it plays into Sean Payton of the Saints, head coach, throwing out a lot of love for Tebow's journey here. Here. You know, I I, I guess while Tebow was playing baseball in the Mets organization, he had reached out to Tim. You know Tyson Hill now who's going to be in the quarterback battle with Jameis Winston in New Orleans? Um, Prior to Tyson Hill coming in from BYU, um, he basically told him, he goes, hey, I'd you like to come and try out here, and I'd like, I have some ideas on what we could do with you, and situationally, I think I could do some things with you, and maybe um, you could be a guy that could help us play. Now, remember something. You know who was on the football team at that time and was having these iconic years? It was Drew Brees. That would have been a very interesting dynamic. Remember, Louisiana. Um, New Orleans, that's that's Southeastern Conference country. He would have been embraced in 10 seconds going there. Remember when Archie Manning back in the day went there from Ole Miss? LSU versus Ole Miss was a rivalry. But when Archie Manning got to um, the Saints, they just looked at him as a Southeastern Conference guy. How many games did Tim Tebow win in that building, the uh, Mercedes Dome? He won a boatload of games. Sugar Bowls he won in that game. I think his last game – he threw for 457 yards against Cincinnati in the Sugar Bowl and beat the doorknobs off the Bearcats in that game. So he would have been embraced big time. And let's not forget here the one thing also with Sean Payton. What I do love is that Sean Payton, look at what he did with Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy Bridgewater came down from, I think, the Jets had him. If I'm not mistaken, I think after the injury in Minnesota, I could be wrong. Maybe the Jets were trying to make a play for him. But after he goes down, maybe it was, I think maybe from the New Orleans down to, um, down from uh, Minnesota down to New Orleans. Because remember a couple years ago, two years ago, when Breeze got injured and he missed that five-game stretch, Bridgewater won all five of those ballgames, beat the Dallas Cowboys in the process too. And really kept the Saints in the conversation as a team that could contend for the NFC. It was because of Teddy Bridgewater. That's how Bridgewater got that contract in Carolina. And that's how he ended up making all that money, north of $30 million he ended up making. The Carolina Panthers realized that he wasn't the guy to fit in with Christian McCaffrey. Now, you got to be fair to Teddy. He didn't have Christian McCaffrey at all last year. McCaffrey was injured the majority of the year. He's the highest paid. You know, he is the highest paid running back in the National Football League. And when you don't have that dynamic run-catch guy in the backfield and you're asking Teddy Bridgewater to move the sticks down the field in a new offense, that's a tough putt. I mean, I've only seen really one guy do that, and that guy's in Tampa now. So, I mean, you were asking. That's why he was ended up being dealt to the Denver Broncos. I mean, he was dealt to Denver because they wanted to make room, I'm talking Carolina now, to get Sam Darnold down there. And Matt Rule wanted a new guy. 
because he thinks that Sam Darnold got jobbed up in the Jets. I do too. I think when you're taking components away from him, Le'Veon Bell was never the guy in that building, man. He's got that guy was just collecting a paycheck. And I'll say this to you: when Jesse James robbed banks, at least he used a gun. This guy here was just getting his check like this with his head down and his hand out. Le'Veon Bell was never really a player for the Jets. And that thing just imploded on, on Sam. But it did, too, also with Teddy Bridgewater. Okay? It did on Teddy Bridgewater as well. All right. So I, I, I found that conversation to be kind of a lifeline a little bit to, you know, Tim Tebow from Sean Payton. Payton must think he can still play. My only, my only question, again, is – Okay, you've been away from like eight or nine years. And you're really going to go into this thing here thinking that you're going to have an opportunity to go in there and win ball games. Okay. I, I, I want to see how this thing plays out. I really do. But I did think that Dave wants that really made a great point yesterday. I want to hit on that a little bit. We're going to talk to our legendary friend, Cornelius Bennett from Bill's Mafia, Alabama Crimson Tide legend. We'll do that right after the time out here on the national football show. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods, your vacation, your way. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. The light from a star can take millions of years to reach Earth. So when you look at a star, you're looking back in time. But I see the future. I see exploration and courage. I see my country finding new horizons out there. And I see giant leaps making a comeback. I see myself. The future is where I'll make history. Jody Mack. The legendary sports talker joins forces with NFL insider John McMullen. Start your morning with Johnny Mack and Jody Mack across the Jacob Media Network. Welcome back to the National Football Show. Hey, programming note. Tonight, 
here on the Jacob Media Channel. We're going to be giving away home tickets to the Eagle Home Opener. Okay? <laughs> I mean, Devontae Smith jerseys. All in honor of, get this, all in honor of the schedule dropping. You know, these benchmark things that the league has made. You know, from 25 years ago when I was getting ready to go into the league and to see all the things that the NFL has made as must-see television and benchmarks for its fans, we, we would have to agree. Look, I'll tell you, one entity has always been really great with their fans. That's NASCAR. I've always – and I'm not a NASCAR fan, but they have always made that sport, like, accessible and the drivers love the fans that go to those games. Hey, by the way, you got 300,000 people that show up, 400,000 people that show up to Daytona. I mean, it's on us if we're not covering that. Just know this, or Darlington or Talladega or any of those places, they have always done a great job at being able to reach out and across the aisle to their fans. That's what the NFL has done. They're now pimping out, like, where you can go and watch the draft now when it comes to, you know, bidding out cities on you hosting. There was 160,000 fans that showed up to the um, to the NFL draft in Cleveland, right there in the plaza. 160,000 fans showed up. That's not counting like opening night where it was 12 million viewers tuned into that thing. Just the first night to watch the first round. We're talking about 12 million people. Now, the pandemic year, I don't know if you're ever going to see that number ever broken because everybody was locked into their home and everybody couldn't go anywhere. And it was like one of the only real things that we got a chance to watch on television. So those numbers and like the numbers weren't they were kind of near it for the three days. I thought that they would exceed it because we've been kind of like pimping this thing up with all the quarterbacks and all the conversation that we were having and stuff such like that. But I always really did believe that we were going to see bigger numbers, but the pandemic, man. And I actually thought the NFL did a great job during the pandemic the year previous when Goodell was doing it from his basement, you know, he had his jacket on. Then the next day he just had a shirt on. Then the next day he had a t-shirt on. And he was talking about, like, fixing a screen door in his house. And I thought it was one of the most real things you could possibly get. But we got back to it this year. We got back to the to the bro hugs. We got back to everybody, you know, loving the fact that you ended up getting drafted and, you know, going to your team. You see, when you're drafted in the NFL, you don't really care what team you're going to. You're just caring that you're getting a National Football League helmet. That's really all you care about, man, is that you get an opportunity to have an NFL helmet given to you. Like when I, when I, when I, when I got drafted and they handed me the Buccaneer helmet, man, I didn't care what the emblem was on the side. I was like this, man, this is the greatest moment of my life right here. At that time it was until my daughter was born was that when you get a chance to like get paid and you get a chance to put that helmet for the first time when you playing, my first game was against the Chicago bears and Walter Payton's final game at the sombrero. That was my first game. I'm playing against Walter Payton. And I'm thinking to myself, just like a year or even a few months earlier, I was at the University of Miami and I'm playing college football and I'm doing all this. And I swear to you, I got on the football field. I'm like, holy crap, there's Jim McMahon. Holy, wow. 
there's Walter Payton. And it's a it's a you know what factor. You're sitting there doing this. Holy cow, man. <laughs> right? Holy cow. This is a draft here, man. And you get that helmet. Um, no question. And they they make this like the schedule dropping now. And it's like the league has done such a great job at doing the most important thing. And you know what that is? They're making everything convenient for television. Schedule. The games we just went over. We talked about all of the things that the television networks are looking at. They're looking for matchups. You know, you got Buccaneers and Cowboys. Okay? In the opener. Okay? That to me is incredible. All right. Let's switch gears here. And one of my favorite people on the planet and one of my favorite men. And I'm telling you, we're going to make a pitch to get this man into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. He is a man who is a five-time Pro Bowler. He is a two-time consensus All-American at Alabama. He is part of Bill's Mafia, part of Alabama Mafia, <laughs> the one and only Cornelius Bennett. Biscuit, how you doing, brother? I'm doing great, man. How you doing, man? Dude, man, I'm so happy to have you here with us here. And it is it is an objective of mine. I talk to these Hall of Fame voters all the time. We're going to get to that here in a minute. Uh -huh. But I talked to you a couple months ago about this, but I want you to tell these people. You played at one of the greatest colleges of all time with those crazy maniac Bama fans. But you played at arguably the craziest maniac fans. I thought they were in Philly, <laughs> but they're up in Buffalo, Bill's Mafia, Give me your insight of what you think of Bill's Mafia. Bill's Mafia is uh, a kicked up notch from Alabama fans. <laughs> it's a, it's just a glorified college town um, in, in a sense. Uh, they are the best fans in the NFL, have been, even with the drought, you know, the past drought of 25 years of not winning the division title or whatever. It's just um, it's amazing um, that the support is there in such a, you know, uh, a small town. Um, a town that has had um, its ups and downs as far as, um, you know, jobs and all of that. But the fans just, um, they're amazing. Let me ask you something. When you got up there to Buffalo, were you shocked at the environment at first? Because, Cornelius, you, you know, you were revered down in Tuscaloosa. Alabama fans love you. That's your neck of the woods down there. When you went up there, were you shocked at how the environment was? Or was it you guys that kind of built that environment up? Because that Kelly group of you guys with Bruce Smith and all that, I mean, I don't know. I, I never really heard of that fan base prior to what you guys did. Do you think you guys had a lot to do with building that Bills Mafia? No doubt, but it, it started before I got there. You know, Bruce and, and Jim and all those guys got there. Daryl, uh, um, Tally got there in 80, what, 83. Um, uh, Bruce and those guys and Andre and Jim, they got there in 85, 86. So I came in 87. So it had started, but um, I, I think um, – when I got traded there, Halloween day of 1987, um, I, I kind of think that um, things started to change. Um, from day one, uh, when I got there, my first game was against the Denver Broncos, and um, I had never played in front of, you know, such a, a large crowd and a crazy crowd, as, 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 as I like to call it, you know, because it was fun playing in front of those people. But um, I, I think that was the start of everything, you know, when I, when I got there. And I don't like to toot my own horn, but, you know, that's what people, you know, people have said and, and, and – um, 
you know, so I go with it. You know what I'm saying? I, I'm trying to do whatever I can to, um, you know, to just um, stay noticed, I guess, in a sense, uh, because, uh, you know, here we are talking about, you know, Buffalo Bills football. Exactly. And mm-hmm. I, I'm wondering how you look back on that. If I'm not mistaken, Colts take you. Mm-hmm. You get traded to Buffalo. You ever wonder what that would have been like if you had played your career in Indianapolis, if it would have been any different than what it was? Because you end up going to that four AFC championships and winning it. Then you go to the four Super Bowls. I'm just wondering if you ever reflected back on that. I, sometimes I do. Um, I, I think um, Indianapolis would have been a, um, a winning, you know, would have had winning teams back then. I, I do think I made that big of a difference, uh, you know, looking back on it now, because I did go back there 13 years later. And I and and we finished thirteen and three my first year and um, I can't remember the second year you know it's just time has passed by but I gave them a division title as well uh, so I like to think that I have some kind of I had some kind of magic when I played because wherever I went I turned teams into winners Atlanta gave them that first Super Bowl um, so yeah I, I think um, it would have been a big difference in Indianapolis had I had I went there. Cornelius, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering also um, how you look at those four Super Bowl appearances because, you know, I'm, I'm very tight with Jim Kelly. And every time I bring Kelly on, I always go like this, four-time conference champions because I don't really think people understand. In a salary cap era, you're never going to see a team go to four straight Super Bowls. You're just not going to. I mean, people were raving on what the Buccaneers did this year by just bringing all 22 starters back. Um, you guys did it four consecutive years. How do you look at it years removed about that journey? You guys, I mean, ESPN did a 30 for 30 on it. Mm-hmm. Just how do you look at that run? It was amazing, man. Um, it's more appreciated now than when we were playing because um, we do get a chance to watch, you know, things like 30 for 30 or what have you. Um, but it was amazing. And to sit around and talk about it with guys that you played, you know, with and against, those guys, um, even though we didn't win a Super Bowl, those guys, when we walk in the room, man, we we demand attention still to this day, um, Super Bowl ring or not. You know, we can't go back and play anymore. But even those guys that we played against that won those Super Bowls, they know we were good. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Oh, my God. Yeah, they I mean... know we were good, man. It just um, it wasn't in the cards, man. And, and you, uh, you know, when, you, when you're giving lemons, you make lemonade. And, and we made lemonade um, with what we had. And, and we're proud. You know, we're happy. We're, we're satisfied with, you know, how things are now. Um, do we wish we had one? Of course. But we didn't. And, um, you know, life goes on. Okay. Well, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call BS on that one because I'm going to tell you something here. Okay. Uh-huh. I'm just wondering if the failures of the team, not you, Mm-hmm. Like when you went to Atlanta, you ended up losing that game. Do you think it came at a professional observation cost to you and how people perceive you that you lost those five games, that you, yeah. you personally yeah. lost those five games, and that's why you're not in Canton? I, I, you know, I hey, I, I, I can live with that uh, because – Well, I couldn't. <laughs> I mean, well, not live. I mean, I can live with what you how you're saying, and not not live with why I'm not. You know, I can live with you know people thinking that uh, because I did, I did, you know, try to put the team on my shoulders, and I always felt like when we lost, it was on me. So I, you know, I can, you know, that, that part of it. But um, does it does it say that I shouldn't be? You know, when you look at it across the board, I just had this conversation the other day, Dan. Uh, 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 with um, Ricky Jackson and, and LT, we were playing golf. This was last Tuesday. 
and and I was telling one of the other guys who was riding with me, um, I said, you know, the only only guy, only linebacker that's in the Hall of Fame that's even considered for the Hall of Fame that's across the board whose stats across the board are better than mine, Ricky Jackson. All the other guys, you know, LT was LT. I don't, you know, he was the greatest in my yep. book as well. But across the board, when you start comparing uh, apples and oranges or whatever, man, you look at it across the board, outside of me not having 100 sacks, you look at everything else, Ricky Jackson, Cornelius Bennett. That's it. Uh, um, AFC Defense Player of the Year, I two. Some of the other guys, um, guys that are in there, zero fumbles, fumble recoveries, pass breakups, hurries all across the board. You look at my stats against anybody else outside of Ricky Jackson, I'm number two. I I, I, I swear to you, Cornelius, mm -hmm. I look at those numbers and uh -huh. I go, and I do this, I go, and I'm not going to throw any shade on Jason Taylor. I know mm -hmm. Taylor put his hand in the dirt, but I went, Jason Taylor over Cornelius Bennett. <laughs> hey man, I, you know what he was, and he's a fine Fred Dean. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm like this. I'm and, and again, no shade on them. Yeah, That's yeah, the yeah, yeah. I'm doing this. Okay, okay. Maybe it's also a factor too. There were so many great football players on that team. Then you get into that a little conversation also yeah. too, right, Cornelius? Yeah. yeah. Hey, that's 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 the thing that uh, I've talked to some selectors as well. That's the thing. You know, you guys had so many great players. You know, okay, hey, we put all these so many great players in the Hall of Fame. If we, if we deserve to be in there, don't don't short us because we were that good. You know what I'm saying? That individually, you know what I'm saying? Uh, uh, um, James Lofton, who I love and admire. Um, you know, he said, you know, he said it to me. You know, man, it just I think. You know, this is, you know, his personal feeling. I, I think that, you know, that's what they're looking at, you know. I was like, but shit, Bruce, excuse my language, Bruce is the only one on, from the defense that's in. <laughs> All the other guys are offensive players. We had to do something to get those guys in from the defensive standpoint. And Bruce and I and Daryl, you know, uh, um, consideration as well. Um, Bruce was on his side. I had my side. So you couldn't say I, I rode Bruce's coattail, you know, uh, um, even though, uh, um, you know, he's the greatest, you know, defensive man to ever play the game, in my opinion, you know, uh, not knocking Reggie White, but you look at stats or whatever, and that's what you have to go off of. So, uh, but I had to hold down the other side, man, and it was no joke. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> hey, I got to ask you this one. I had, I, had to show up to work. I had to show up to work every week, man. <laughs> I, I, I asked Eric Dickerson this, mm -hmm. and I think you'll be shocked what his answer was. I'm going to ask you this one. Yeah. Did you enjoy playing on Sundays or Saturdays more? I guess I don't know. Saturdays probably. He like he said Saturdays too Saturdays, for SMU. Yeah, yeah, Saturdays. Um, I don't know because I didn't. You know, I always had a business sense about football, but you know, it was more um, carefree. I didn't. You know, I I didn't have to worry about uh, making a team. Of uh, you know being asked to take a pay cut or something like that in college you know it was always go play your heart out and you know you're gonna go get a fine meal afterwards and this and that you know and party and you know you're young you're not really thinking about the rest of the world at that particular time so yeah college yeah man i i, I eric dickerson said the same thing yeah. okay i've never asked you this question mm -hmm. now i talked to sylvester croom about this and i'll tell you what he told me mm -hmm. was there a rivalry between you and Derek thomas no no, he not, said the same thing. He said there wasn't. He goes, nope. No. You were I more of a mentor brother. to him. Yeah, I was his big brother, uh, just like Emmanuel, <coughs> just like Emmanuel King, who who uh, 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 um, got drafted first round a couple of years before I did. 
you know, at Alabama, it, it was totally different. Uh, that we strive to be the best, of course. You know, um, that's why you know you you know you bring in a Derek Thomas or whatever. Um, but I tell you what, I saw I saw the greatness in him from day one. There was no doubt about that. Um, so that was my you know I played with two years, so my sophomore year going into my junior year, um, his you know that that starting fall practice, you saw it. There was no it was no it was no denying that he had an opportunity. And, and then Coach Kroon told you the whole story. I mean, but Derek was no, he didn't. No, he said the same thing you yeah. said. He was a bear. He was very. I won't say lazy. Derek never slept. So when he come to you know sitting in the means, the lights went out. Derek went out. Um, so he was always you know have to stand up or run some extra or whatever when you could never run him tired you know um you've heard the stories when he was when marty and those guys um was trying to do pre-draft and they worked him out you know running and running and seeing you know seeing how how his tank you know how how, how was his gas tank or whatever you couldn't run him enough you know but um no that was never in a competition and with anybody that i played with that was to me and if you ask my teammates i think i was the ultimate teammate um i i helped anybody because i'm you know ultimate goal was to win as a team um, so that's why it's so hard for me to talk about myself in the Hall of Fame or whatever, because that's not how, that's not why I played. I played to help my team be the best team on the field, and all the other stuff, all the other accolades, man. It just you know it just you know came because of me trying to be the best teammate possible. I want to show you something here. I think mm -hmm. I got something here, and I think you're going to appreciate this biscuit. Um, my wife found this here, and. We lost this man here. <laughs> yeah, man. This is a program when I was with the Bucks and we went up to Green Bay. I think you may have remembered we had a play one time in Milwaukee and we had a play. I never ran on the same sideline of, of like when you played in Milwaukee and they didn't play at Lambeau. I told everybody, yeah, both teams lined up on the same sideline. Yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm running into James Lofton when James was in Green Bay and I'm going like, what the hell is this over here, man? <laughs> Yeah, we played. But this man, there. his influence right. on on yeah. you was what? His oh, Ray Perkins, by the way. Yeah, every everything, man. Coach Perkins, um, he was everything. He taught me how to be, uh, taught me how to be a, a a a great teammate. You know, the talent was there. Um, he would meet with me on Fridays. Uh, we would always meet, and um, he just taught me how to be a great teammate. A leader, you know, I had the qualities, but he brought it out of me. I was a quiet, shy kid. Um, he grooming, um, got me ready for the next level as far as business. Um, since, you know, it was always talking to me about um, how and what and, and why, and, you know, I should do things or whatever. So I owe him everything because, you know, you coming from the inner city, you don't, you don't, millions of dollars don't come with a, a handbook man you know what i'm saying you had to so it was i was so fortunate that i had him somebody that had walked the same walk you know that had been there um in a leadership role as well management role so he just he just groomed me man and and i'm so grateful that he was in my life those four years um to, to help second me pick in the draft too right you were yeah yeah you yeah were? you know the funny thing though uh uh uh, uh let's just look what i'm doing <laughs> yeah i see yeah the, the funny thing though about that <laughs> You know, he, he he took the job at Tampa, and he didn't draft me number one. He drafted your boy. Tessa yeah, Benny. he did. Yeah, he drafted Benny. Uh, I don't know if he ever. I I don't know if he ever maybe told you about because yeah. he used to look over at me and Vinny and go, you know, that guy's now over in Indianapolis, man. I'll tell you what, Vinny, you keep throwing a couple more of them picks. <laughs> <laughs> no, you you know what? We never had the conversation about that because. We had already 
uh, over the four years that we were together, like I said, he had taught me so much business of football that we never had had a conversation. I knew it was straight business from day one. I've never held a grudge against him or anything behind that, man. We like, we, we would get together and laugh and joke and have a good time or whatever, but um, we never had that conversation and I never, you know, was upset with him or had any, uh, uh, anything, you know, negative to say about why he didn't take me uh, number one in the draft. You know, um, I think it was, you know, it was just, well, I don't think it was just straight business. And I understood that. Absolutely. Hey, finally here mm -hmm. for you, um, Devontae Smith, uh, going into the NFL, going to the Eagles, mm -hmm. you know, six feet, 166. I know the game is different. You know, we can't mug these guys coming off the line of scrimmage. Right. And they can run across the middle uh, today like they couldn't back then. Because those guys – hey, I always tell everyone this, Biscuit. You know why receivers didn't have big mouths back then? Because you had guys roaming around in the secondary that would knock the chicklets out of them dudes. <laughs> today, these guys are all big mouths now. Yeah. And yeah. to get back to your boy here – you think he has success in the NFL because the league is different than it was back then? Uh, no doubt about it. Um, he's 166 pounds, and I said 100 of it is hard. And, um, you know, that was a few small guys that played around our time. Uh, um, Clarence Verdain, to think of one, and um, um, Drew Hill, God rest his soul. Um, Andre Risen. Andre, yeah. Again, but those guys knew when and who they were <laughs> playing against. You had They game plan just like we game plan. Um, I tell my I tell my friends, you know, there's no way when LT and and all of us were playing back in the day, those guys, they didn't want to have nothing to do with underneath, man, because they know they was gonna get it from us, whether or not the ball was coming to them or not. That was our house. Don't come in it. But now again, like you say, you can't touch them. So of course, you know, um, you got somebody that can get him the ball. The quarterback's getting protected, and he can just run away, you know. And that's what he did in Alabama. You know, it's it's it's. I don't see I don't see it changing. I think he'll have a long career because of that. You know, he's not going to take, you know, he's going to learn to protect himself and he's not going to take the hits and the bumps and the bruises that, that, that in our era that would have shortened his career. So yeah, I think he'll be a tremendous uh, professional football player. Biscuit, it's great catching up with you, man. Yeah, man. Always say yeah. yes. I know you don't do this a lot, yeah. and I really appreciate you doing <laughs> this, man. Thank you yeah. so much, my friend. Yeah, hey, look, I'm gonna tell, I'm gonna tell uh, full, uh, uh, Fullington that I that, that we wrapped and uh, yeah. all the young boys that I see down here, bro. God, you know, good to see you, and God bless. You bet, man. Thank you so much, Cornelius. All right, take care, brother. You got it, man. That is Cornelius Bennett, one of the legendary players in NFL history. We'll take a brief time out right here on the National Football Show. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods, your vacation, your way. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. 
The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. The light from a star can take millions of years to reach Earth. So when you look at a star, you're looking back in time. But I see the future. I see exploration and courage. I see my country finding new horizons out there. And I see giant leaps making a comeback. I see myself. The future is where I'll make history. Jody Mack, the legendary sports talker, joins forces with NFL insider John McMullen. Start your morning with Johnny Mack and Jody Mack across the Jacob Media Network. Talk about superstars, man. Talk about people we had on the show. One of the greatest athletes in the history of college football who ended up going on and playing in the NBA in Charlie Ward. I thought Charlie made some noise today. And I will be posting it over on my Twitter page, at Dan Cilio Show. Tebow coming into the National Football League has nothing to do with race. And... I think one of the reasons why Charlie didn't maybe make that move into the NFL because he thought the position was still with a racial tinge to it. They wanted him to play another position. That was the big narrative back when he was deciding whether or not to play in the NBA. And he basically came out, this is is about relationships. This is more about him and Urban Meyer and – what they believe when it comes to culture in the building. I think Dave Wanstat said it perfect. By the way, Cornelius Bennett, um, you're not going to find a better football player. And like I said, Ricky Jackson and him, when you look at statistics, I mean, it was – here, here, it was Lawrence Taylor, Ricky Jackson, and him. Those were the three greatest linebackers in the 80s and 90s. Bennett was one of them. You're not going to go when it comes to outside backers that were put pressure on the quarterback. Those three guys changed the position, and Cornelius was one of those things. And, again, the success that they had in Buffalo when he was there. I mean, it's it's documented. Everywhere he went, they went to a Super Bowl. His college career, I mean, two-time uh, All-American, and he was – get this. He wasn't the defensive Southeastern Conference Player of the Year. He was the Southeastern Conference Player of the Year. I mean, that's offense and defense. Yeah, it was – just absolutely over the top. I should have asked him about the Tebow story, but love getting his story out because I need people to understand who he is and how he needs to be in Canton. But I, I was bringing this up with Charlie Ward earlier in the show, and Dave Wanstead made a great point from Fox yesterday on the show. I think one of the reasons, and these people are, I mean, when you go on social media now, If it doesn't get to race or Trump, 
Those two things, everything goes back to race and Trump. Even when I have conversations um, with, um, you know, even when they have conversations with my wife, it goes back to Trump and race. Oh, wait, this is just a note from my boy, from my boy Krause. Packers signed Blake Portals. <laughs> wait, 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 here. Hey, Krause, don't forget, that's a topic tomorrow, dog. Uh, Blake Bortles. Wow, man. There's a quarterback controversy now in Green Bay. Bortles, Jordan Love, and Aaron Rodgers. Man, I mean, hey. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Stop the presses. This is going to be a headline story. Blake Bortles. I thought that dude... I thought he was retired like three years ago. Oh, no, wait. That was when he got his ass kicked in the AFC Championship game. <laughs> that's right. I remember now. That's the dude that that's the dude that got blown out, right? In Jacksonville? <laughs> I'm trying to remember my stiff quarterbacks. Let me think. I'm trying to remember because, you know, there's so many stiff quarterbacks that I have to remember, like the Brandon Whedons of the world. I'm trying to remember. Um, he's, a, he's one of the stiff guys. Yeah, Blake Bortles. Is that like the UCF kid? I, I, I forget because he stunk so bad. <laughs> he did go into he did go into Pittsburgh and win that game against the uh Steelers. He did, I'll say that to you. He went in, I think he threw for like 500 yards in that game, too. But yeah, hey Krause, thank you for that, man. Where was I? I'm sure I was talking something more important than that thing. <laughs> but then again, now now <laughs> I don't know. Wait a minute, Tebow or Rodgers? Let me think. What's better traction? I think everybody's sick of Rodgers. Are you sick? No, you, you know, can't ever be sick of Tebow. I saw Skip Bayless today doing, this guy is just a winner. I was like, for uh, Port St. Lucie with the Mets? This guy couldn't hit his body weight. He hit like 114 or something. He's the biggest winner. Where, where where's that? Oh, Florida. Oh yeah, that's right. Gators. I think maybe I have a raspberry with the dude because he's a Gator and I'm a cane. <laughs> I think you can maybe get the sense that you know maybe there could be an issue with me, you know, and you know talking about a Gator in such a great light. Now, see, I could talk to a guy that's a Florida State Seminole like I did with Charlie Ward you know, a couple minutes ago. So that, that's cool because we're kind of like on the same page and we're all good and we're all trying to chase down those scumbags. I mean, those Gator guys. And <laughs> there I slipped. Didn't mean to. Yeah, but Tebow. Yeah, man. But again, what Dave Wanstead said yesterday, creating the environment in the locker room may be exactly why he's being brought in. Now, would it shock you? If, how about this? Urban Meyer did this. Tim Tebow goes in. He plays a little bit of the season. They end up cutting him. And all of a sudden, Tim Tebow, watch, watch where I'm going here. Tim Tebow becomes an assistant coach on the Jaguar staff. He continues for a couple of years there. And watch where my pen lands. He becomes the head football coach of the Florida Gators, like Steve Spurrier did. Spurrier didn't really have that much of a NFL career. 
You never would look at him and go, you know, that guy was a hell of a football player in the National Football League. Spurrier wasn't that guy. Now, he had stops. I think it was San Francisco and Tampa Bay. I think there were a couple places. And I think he also played um, in, like, maybe the World League back, the old, old 70s World League. I know he was the coach of the Tampa Bay Bandits. But um, he never was really a great NFL. Maybe Tebow ends up going and becoming, and you're starting to see a lot of ex-NFL guys and ex-players like Deion Sanders and Eddie George and all these guys. Maybe what he's going to do then is get the job at Florida when Dan Mullen maybe gets an opportunity to play in the National Football League, be a coach in the NFL and play in that sandbox. So, I mean, would, would, would Urban Meyer groom him for that? Would the Gator faithful want that? Absolutely. Can you imagine Tim Tebow, the head football coach? There's two dudes in Gator history, two dudes that Gator fans and Southeastern Conference fans revere, Spurrier and him. Those two dudes, those two guys. All right. Hey, don't forget, tonight on the Jacob Media Channel, we're going to be giving away tickets to the Eagles home opener. Also, um, a Devontae Smith jersey, a couple of them, I believe, for the dropping of the schedule will be out tonight as well. You know, I, I love when the Krauses do this, man. I mean, you think we're giving away pencil heads and keychains? We're giving away great opportunities for people to be part of something that's really cool. So this schedule tonight, the NFL has got it so covered, man. You know, when you drop the schedule tonight, watch this. Everyone is going to be talking about this thing tomorrow. Oh, the Cowboys. And you know what this does do? It doesn't really tell you what the records are going to be for the upcoming 2021 season, but it's going to show you kind of the path that teams are going to have to go on to try to win an opportunity to get to the Super Bowl. So that's going to be pretty cool. All right. We will catch you tomorrow going 4 to 6 Eastern, and the only place to catch us is right here on the Jacob Media Channel with the National Football Show. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Mike Rowe here with a radical idea. If you want to see more companies make more things in this country, buy more things from more companies who make things in this country. I refer in this case to the incredible t-shirts, sweatshirts, blue jeans, and more made by my friends at American Giant. Everything American Giant makes is made in the United States. And right now, you can take 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com slash Mike. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike.